how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome back to the show. In this episode, I sat down with screenwriters Otessa Mosfek and Luke Goebel, the screenwriters behind Eileen and Causeway. In the film Eileen, a woman's friendship with a new co-worker at the prison facility where she works takes a sinister turn. The movie stars Thomason McKenzie, Shea Wiggum, and Anne Hathaway. In this interview, we talk about Otessa's work as a novelist and adapting her first two films, Causeway and Eileen. The writing process as a married couple and what it means to manifest creativity. This interview is also available on the Creative Screenwriting website and look for my next interview where I actually interviewed the stars of this film, Thomason McKenzie and Anne Hathaway. That'll be in the next episode. Here's my conversation with Luke and Otessa. I probably always wanted to write for movies, but didn't really admit it until I had already moved to L. Play and someone asked me if I wanted to write a movie. Um, Who was that? Uh, with McGlue, my mm, very first right, book. Right, right. That was the first, that <laughs> McGlue was the first screenplay I ever wrote. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I'm self-taught because I really studied other movies, but um, it was really fun to learn the new form and uh, felt totally unnatural at the beginning. I think at this point, maybe I'm getting the hang of it. What about you? I guess there's like the two, two versions. One was the dream and one was the reality. When we met somehow right from the beginning, we were talking about movies and yeah. dreaming up movies and saying, let's write movies together, um, which seemed more like play. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly there was an opportunity um, you with McGlue, I did something with a uh, uh, little polish and then Causeway came and it was just reality suddenly came knocking with a pretty loud, pretty loud fist. So, yeah. Is it just like intangibles? Like what's kind of the key to a good partnership? I imagine you have similar tastes and what you want to write, but what are some other things that made you want to work together? Oh, just proximity, basically. <laughs> Next room over. Uh, I knew he'd be there. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think, I mean, like any couple, we have a shorthand. I mean, it's just really easy to say something or begin to say something. And you know, oftentimes we don't have to finish our sentences. Um and then there's also just a level of comfort. Like I felt comfortable being like, I have this tiny shred of an idea um, and know that, you know, mm -hmm. that it will be fostered and supported rather than just swatted away. Um, and also there's a, in collaborating, you need to negotiate a lot and we are doing that constantly. Um, and it's a safe, it's safe. 
safe yeah. for me to disagree and and then kind of see things from a new perspective. Yeah, there's like a insta drama. There's like um, so much like drama that you add story and and it's just it's it's ready to go. You know, there's like a shared psychic language. There's a devotion, and then there's the you know the drama of a life together and shared pain and shared you know pleasure and joy. And so when you when I go to write with Otessa and we're doing characters or we're doing scenes or we're doing you know figuring out the whole story, there's kind of this very fertile ground for the seeds to grow, you know? Without giving away too many details, what was kind of the original idea for Eileen? A spark of the idea for the novel was a conversation that I had very soon after I first moved to Los Angeles in 2011, I want to say. And it was with a documentary filmmaker named Joshua Rofe, who did a doc called Lost for Life about juveniles serving life sentences in prison without the possibility for parole. Mm -hmm. And he had just done an interview with a young man in a prison um, whose story really inspired the story of the character Lee Polk in the book and in the movie, Eileen. It was just a story I couldn't forget. I couldn't put it down. It was so upsetting and fascinating in the worst ways. Um, so when I decided to write a novel, it, I knew that I wanted to bring a certain sensibility and a, and a new kind of character into the foreground of the story, but I also felt this pull back toward what was Lee's story. And I think that helped me imagine this really tense hidden world um, that my character could be mirrored by and also play a part in. Were there any particular parts in the adaptation of the novel that made it difficult to write the screenplay? Either we had to leave something out or you couldn't explore maybe a character's mindset, anything like that come to mind? I can't say for Otessa, but um, obviously, but um, I didn't, I didn't feel that way. I felt like there was so much to be done um, moving from first person to third um, in terms of the drama between characters, what had previously been not said uh, between the characters that had been given from Eileen's point of view now was taking shape. Um, things like her father, who we you know gave the name Jim to in the adaptation, he has more to say, more direct kind of uh, conversations with Eileen or, or speeches kind of sort of, uh, and, and just the dramatic timing between people, the comedy the regional comedy of, of the deadpan of Massachusetts and what these characters, you know, get to deliver to one another and the, and the pauses and the silences, I just think are, um, were really fun opportunities to play. There isn't anything I miss. I mean, that the, like, there's like some, a book and a movie are different, obviously, in that you know, I don't think you could read Eileen in 95 minutes or whatever the running time is but you do get the full 
experience of her and her quote unquote journey. I don't know. I didn't, I, I, I don't, I don't think that we had to cut any darling mm-hmm. that I otherwise wanted to see in the movie. I feel like they're perfect mirrors. The movie and the book really successfully are, you know, reflections of one another in the, in the best way, you know, the, the book and, and the film are both radical, you know, and I think the book was d- different, like radical in slightly different ways. And the film is radical in slightly different ways. Did you begin with a brand new outline phase or did you go back to kind of your original notes for the book or how did you start to, to form the new the screenplay? We started a whole new story based on what we loved about the book. And we worked really closely with Will Oldroyd, our director, to really focus in on what was the, the core movement and um, you know, who were the who were the main players and how do we get from A to B to C with them? And I don't know. I don't even know if I still have the notes from the novel. Probably somewhere. I'm sure they're just a mess. I'm sure you have you have meticulous <laughs> files. Uh, maybe. What were some logistics of you getting involved with the screenwriting process? Because at one point, this was a little less heard of, but maybe after Gone Girl or more recently, there are more authors writing screenplays. Was it complicated? Um, Was it already kind of in the works when you came on or did you drive it from the beginning? Well, the book had been optioned um, and a screenplay had been developed for a studio and the movie had never gotten made. And... I got the IP back and Will Oldroyd showed up just as Luke and I were getting really into screenwriting. So it all kind of happened at exactly the right moment. We never saw that earlier script. um, And it just felt like this was the right thing at the right time. And we were in the right place to do it. It all happened during COVID. (laughs) Uh, So like we didn't meet, will in person he was living in london at the time and we didn't meet him until we were in new jersey getting ready to shoot yeah. the movie yeah that's all photography yeah what are some of the logistics of your actual writing process were you in the same room together do you kind of go off and write separately like what are some of the tactical parts yeah, I mean, um, I guess that was part of the process too, or the experience of of this all coming together was just we had had a trial by fire with our first film. It was like a nine week rewrite um, uh, with a you know film that was ready to ready to start filming. And um, coming off of that was like we had this high, you know, where there had been these just like. 12, 16 hour work days that were just totally under pressure. And when that ended, there was this kind of void. It was like, let's, let's go. And so the work process for this film, we had our meetings with Will, we got our kind of vision, uh, shared vision, and we left and went up to the coast of Oregon, a little town and set up shop in this little house. And we wrote again for 12, 13, 14 hour days, really, high energy um we're definitely in the same room definitely in the same room taking turns with the computer or shared you know sharing the screen uh final draft and just 
writing, you know, and then a lot of like acting and bad acting, you know, as we create dialogue and scenes. So, you know, you get to be characters and try things out and then I'll say things and she's like, no, no, what if it's this? And then she said, I'm like, no, no, what if it's this? And so you're like upping the ante, you're kind of like uh, getting more and more animated and excited, which is just something you don't get alone. Are there any parts about your ridership where you see any like strengths and weaknesses? Do you have similar strengths and weaknesses or how do you, do you think about any of those things at all? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think my, my tendency to rush is um, not great in collaboration because I, I like, you know, when you're working by yourself, your sense of timing is so intuitive and I often move move forward really quickly knowing that I can circle back and come and revisit something and Luke always sort of takes advantage of that like the forward momentum and says well no let's go let's not move forward yet let's go back now with this energy and go back into it and um, we always discover something new and there's always like the first level where you're like kind of getting it down. And then the second level, you're like sort of figuring out more like what's happening and what the scene is trying to accomplish. And then finally, it's a sort of perfect marriage, ideally of form and content and forward movement and portraiture and all of those things all at the same time. Um, and I wouldn't say Luke is a perfectionist per se, but you do. I'm obsessive. You, yeah. you, he, he obsesses to the point where like, you know, we can't move on until we've done, until we know. Yeah. And I think that Otessa is incredible with story um, and pacing. And, um, and I think that I bring a certain like, okay, what is the cumulo? Like, how do all these things work together to create, you know, the larger kind of like issues or themes or how does this thing function um, as a structure? Uh, whereas Otesta is exceptional at like the actual structuring of like scene to scene to scene. Um, revision, she's amazing at revision. She can move things around, take a film that is working one way and move the parts and it suddenly it falls into, into place. I mean, I think, I think we're, part of the... Part of the collaboration is if I'm suggesting something that Luke doesn't immediately understand, you know, if it isn't his, the same, if he doesn't have the same intuition, I have to go, I have to describe why or say, you know, I just have this feeling that maybe this could be useful later or something. And in having to talk about things, you end up develop, developing the ideas um in the exchange from one mind to the other they kind of like get more layered and interesting um and more specific yeah and likewise if i come up with things that you don't understand which often she's more literal and i'm more kind of like you'll keep us on a on a track that is like this is what we would think uh -huh. should come next and i'll be like well no what if it's this curveball Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll be like, I don't understand that. And I'll have to explain it and justify it and, you know, fight for it. And then, and then oftentimes you'll see like, oh yeah, if we do that, then 
and you'll make it then come into come into order with what's what's already in play so that we're able to go outside and still have it you know return to center if there's if there's any point where you're kind of both hitting a wall um what might you do outside of conversation would you watch old movies look back at the book anything like that that you did during the process yeah i mean i think i can't really remember what like what we were doing when we were not writing Eileen during that process. I think we, well, we walked on the beach. We walked the dogs on the beach in the smoke. Um, Everything was on fire. There was a, yeah, this was a really strange time. The fall of 2020. And there were fire, there were wildfires, like all up and down the West Coast. So we had like gone to, um luke's mom's place in oregon and then we had to leave because there was a fire (laughs) and then we got back home to uh la and there was a fire and then we went out to the desert and there was it was just sort of like insane um with some with some projects we'll watch movies eileen didn't have a lot of influences it was more singular yeah um we don't do a lot of like uh hitting the escape valve like we we don't off pressure much it's like uh we'll read it again and and it's not really like we hit walls like oh we don't know what to do now we can't come up with anything it's like we have a lot there's a lot happening and then it's like okay how do we know which of these many exciting things that are happening are the absolute right thing and so i think it's it's more like revising what mm-hmm. we have not like struggling to generate and um but sometimes i mean you kind of just have to wait i mean we had this experience recently where we we probably were on like the 50th draft of something it's like an, an original story and it wasn't until the 51st time through it that it really came together and i don't think it was because we like did anything magical on the outside of our lives i think it was just that we had lived with those characters and the story for long enough that suddenly we kind of understood um something that we hadn't been able to see clearly until right in that moment yeah which we're both pretty obsessive when we're writing scripts i mean we keep making the next draft, the next draft, the next draft, knowing that it will come together. I mean, we are also best friends who live together as well as being husband and wife, which is such a strange way to label one another. But, um, you know, like I'll, I'll wake up and I'll be like, Oh my God, I had this dream. And so, so often that'll, the dream will help the movie because what we're, what, like, what are we thinking about all day? We're thinking about the screenplay, so what do we dream about at night? You know, it's oftentimes like something that we didn't realize was personal coming forward in the dream. Right. And so we'll, we'll sort of talk about it and analyze it and tease each other about it and then really understand one another more about it. And then uh, it always kind of gets us <laughs> deeper in. Yeah. Other couples are like going out for drinks with their friends or like renting a VRB or whatever adults do. And we're like, children walking our dogs walking our do- and then like and living Crying. at home you know having meltdowns working 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 yeah it's like you know talking about our dreams fighting just the you know like it all comes into the movie 
Also, I think we both kind of play this game, or at least I know I do. And it's it's the game where like you're like, oh, I know. And you don't. No, I know. <laughs> oh, no, no, I know. And you just sort of start a sentence and like expect the universe to come and finish it. I love that game. Or you, unfortunately, you start a sentence and then, and then, I, and then finish I finish it. it and you're like, don't. That's, that's not, not what I meant. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do but think. But sometimes that'll bring up something. Variety, the, the variety between the way his mind works and the way mine works and like all of my associations from my life and all of his if we can find common ground that excites both of us yeah, then we, then we know we're on to something yeah we really come from very different worlds different lives so really hugely different it sounds like you're not overly precious with material, but I'm thinking about you going down these rabbit holes to see what works. Is it just being like obsessive? Like, have you always got to this point where, well, it just takes the time that it takes to make it the best we can? Like any, any advice on getting to that point? A lot of novice writers don't really understand that. They want the first draft to be the draft and that kind of thing. I don't know if it's something that you can teach. Mm -hmm. You know, the tendency to the tendency to expect more from yourself and also to trust the process that draft number one is not as much as it, you might walk away and be like i nailed it there's always more there's always there's almost always more um we have really different relationships with that I think Otessa has the most faith in her connection to creativity of any person I've ever met. I mean, she just knows that she's doing something and seems to really enjoy it. Um, I wrestle more with that, you know, perfectionism and wanting to, you know, make it better and better. And I don't, I don't expect, I don't know if I ever did, but maybe when I was younger, I would expect a first draft or a 10th draft to be, to be right, but I don't have that. And it's a curse and a blessing, you know, for me because I'm rarely happy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I just kind of feel like, um, I don't know if this is a game that I'm playing with myself in my head, but I'm like, I really have nothing to do with this. I'm just the person typing. So if I don't know the answer yet, I assume that the universe will deliver an answer when I'm supposed to have it and that everything happens at exactly the right moment. Um, and that's the attitude I had toward writing short fiction and then novels and now it's for screenplays. Yeah, our next project with Will Oldroyd is about a psychic medium. You know, the last woman to be convicted of witchcraft in World War II in England. And I think like there's a way of looking from, a, you know, from the side watching Otessa that like she's a psychic medium in a way like these things just seem to overtake you and you have total faith. Well, it's also that thing, you know, in hindsight, everything makes sense. Yeah, but I'm watching it in real time. It's like <laughs> almost like possession. Really? <laughs> well, I really I just really believe that. Um, you know, we live through time in a 
linear way, but art doesn't necessarily. And anything that I expect to finish exists in its finished form in the future. I'm just not there yet. So I'm trying to predict what that might be. And so I'm just predicting. I'm not actually doing. And that takes me off the hook so that I can have, you know, better ideas. And I'm playing neurotic hide and and seek with myself where I'm like, it's never, oh my God, it's never going to. And then it suddenly does and it works. And I'm just like, oh yeah, of of course, of course. But every time you... You know, this is often, this is like one of our main fights is like, like, we'll, we'll walk away from something for five minutes and Luke will say, this isn't, this isn't good. (laughs) And I'll be suddenly in the position of defending it. And in the process of like, no, it's good because of this, this is interesting. This is super dynamic. This is what's moving forward. And then I'll, I'll say, find well, the things that are good about it. And, and then I'll find the things that aren't <laughs> working yet and I'll articulate them. And that'll often give us kind of, yeah, a good framework of like, this, this is what's working. This is what it is. This is what's yet to be solved. How do we solve for X? You know, like most of the time that we need to figure something out, it's because there's a problem, you know, that needs to be, that needs to be addressed to get to wholeness. So, yeah, I mean, the process works really well. I think also it's like, if you're going to choose a collaborator, Pick someone who doesn't think exactly like you do, because they probably also have different um, coping mechanisms, which is something you're going to rely on in the anxiety between day one and the end of the project. And if you're both losing it, you know, like, oh, my God, how are we ever going to finish this? It's going to be really hard to have the calm patient courage to sit down and actually let it be imperfect until the end which it will be you know so and if you have too much patience and if you have too much too patience to say, then, you, hand it in, then, then you might you, not then you be miss rigorous. the opportunity right yeah 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 and obviously in there is like some conflict it's not just like it's, the easiest thing in the world i mean that's the first thing like when whenever i've picked up any I haven't read Save the Cat, but I know a little bit about it based on the description of the book online. And it <laughs> like seems so many like, books. I know. <laughs> and it, but it seems like the, a very uh, obvious thing that is like conflict is what, cre- what creates change, right? So, yeah. I mean, it's like friction. You, you, friction is energy it's like there's a so I think having uh conflict with your collaborator can be very productive but it's really about how much you use it um for the work and how much you use it just to be pissed off and then you know no you can't have any of my popcorn later thanks so much for tuning into the show before you take off I want to give you a free gift I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. 
is just a few of the ideas in the book Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.